0: Welcome to the Conscient Podcast. I'm with Andrew, and I'm afraid I've forgotten your last name already. Andrew Freiband. Freiband. Nice to meet you. Well, we're here at the uh, Creative uh, Climate Leadership course that's taking place at the Biosphere 2. And I just met Andrew, but I I read about his work, and we've been chatting a little bit, and it fits nicely with the objective of this podcast, which is to explore uh, the contribution of the arts to Environmental awareness and action. So I was explaining to Andrew earlier that I'm interested in both of those concepts, how the arts increase awareness of what's around us in many, many ways, and how that might lead to action. And as we talk through here in Arizona about how we can be better leaders, um, I know that your work is in and around art practice practice, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and then we can jump into whatever you want to talk about in response to my the question that I have, and and I might probe you a little bit more about this and that. So who are you, Andrew? <laughs>
1: Great. Who am um, I? Well, you were just talking about awareness, and I, I'm thinking <laughs> about this as an audio-only experience for your listener, but right. I want to I want to point out that we're looking out over a valley in front of. Um, really beautiful mountain range covered by gray clouds and it's mm. um you might hear birds in the background uh, so mm-hmm. as a uh, it speaks a bit about who i am and where i come from uh i was for many years an audio engineer in film and television okay um i went to film school uh that was kind of my day job while you know thinking about making films ultimately getting the chance to make films uh and so, I was a largely nonfiction documentary filmmaker, um, and I did some fine arts, media, experimental video. And at the same time, I was a teacher um, of filmmaking and interdisciplinary art. Hmm. Um, and then, in my role, you know, in, in this kind of path of a freelance filmmaker, I got some, um, oops, commissioned opportunities working for Uh, the U.S. Agency for International Development, making films that would tell the story about some international development project implementation somewhere. Like, uh, the example I often give, one of the first ones I did, was uh, they asked me to tell the story of Haitian steep hillside agriculture. And uh, all I had to do was distill into two and a half minutes uh, the entire crisis of Haitian steep hillside agriculture, Um, all the solutions that are being uh, brought to bear, all the stakes that are held by the Haitian government, the Haitian people, the farmers' cooperatives, uh, the American universities that were partnering on the project, the American people, and the Congress of the United States. So a really simple process. I didn't know anything about Haitian steep hillside agriculture. And at the same time, I really appreciated that um, artists get asked to do this kind of thing a Mm -hmm. lot. You know when we're kind of instrumentalized in our professional um, capacity uh, people ask us to synthesize complexity in this really extraordinary and pretty unreasonable way but we do it because it is the way we perceive the world and the way that we um, you know extrapolate information and distill it and rearrange it um, and then share it back Um, it works you know and that's I mean, that's the science of it. It's, you know, we know it works because we keep responding to it. It was in that process of telling a story, a really complex story like that, um, that I started to recognize that the act of making a film was an act of learning. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the kind of moment that I um, changed my direction a bit and started to think about art as research. Um telling the story of Haitian steep hillside agriculture, I, you know, I was allowed to kind of drive all over Port-au-Prince and meet whoever I wanted to, and I had, you know, the support of the, the both governments and local populations to interview whoever I thought I needed to interview and view whatever process I felt I needed to view in order to tell a story. The overarching connecting tissue was the story. And that's what filmmakers traffic in. You know, we traffic in narrative. And so I started to think a lot about, well, what's narrative? You know, why is this so powerful for us? Um, and I started playing with lots of definitions of narrative. You know, it's um, it's our, it's perceived causation. You know, it's like we string different clips of footage together, and they make sense to us uh, intuitively, because the clip preceding, you know, clip A precedes clip B, and therefore what we're implying is that it has caused clip B. And that narrative causation is the pathway that we all followed through Haiti. What was interesting was that for me, I was learning because I had to learn. Um, But I had this entourage of like U.S. government employees and Haitian uh, agricultural uh, cooperative administrators and government agents and all these different people um, wandering around with me and my little two-person film crew. And at each stop, I'd be interviewing somebody, we'd look at a process, and I would hear in the entourage, I didn't know this. I've never, I didn't know that person knew this person. I didn't know uh, know, this was connected to that. You know, they were making, they were having revelations about connections, causative connections in this system that they were experts in. And that's, I think, to be expected in a very highly specialized, you know, like very sector-based siloed world. Um, and I realized that as an artist, this type of knowledge, narrative knowledge, would, had a real value to them that, um, we hadn't explored before. And so I started to think, okay, what if art was research? Mm. What if I was here not just to make a film, but if, what if I was here, uh, to learn on behalf of this agency and, you know, fast forward a, a year or two and I thought, it's not just filmmakers, it's all artists. Mm. And... Um, I, I, you know, had the benefit of classrooms to keep going back to and artists working in lots of different media to realize that every artist knows different, knows in a different way. They have a different way of knowing. So my way of knowing might've been based on story, um, and other artists have other intuitions. And then I began to think maybe it's those intuitions that represent, um, types of knowledge that, you know, we haven't, uh, maybe codified.
0: Well, at this leadership course, we've been talking about um, how artists are underutilized, under uh, their influence is not uh, being uh, drawn upon enough in the climate crisis, and the climate emergency. And so what you're saying, I think, is that the, the, the power of artistic expression in different forms um, can be... I don't know if the word transformative is enough, but certainly it opens perspectives and um, opens minds. And it, is that where y- you are seeing things going or.
1: My, my, my work has um, really been deemphasizing actually artistic expression okay. and artistic outcomes. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'm from New York, you know, we have a, kind of boisterous art market, right, where the outcomes of artists' practices are super overvalued, um, you know, and basically become like engines of wealth for um, the 1%. (laughs) 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 Um, So most of my students would never get to a point where they could sell their artistic expression or value their artistic expression in a way that would allow them a sustainable living in this economy mm. um, the thing that was valuable was the artistic process mm. so it's not me expressing myself but it's me just undergoing the day to day process of f- pursuing my intuitions pursuing my way of knowing, pursue, pursuing my way of trying to understand the world um, and then the, the outcome is uh, the outcome is still there, there's still a film in my case like, we still make a film Um, But more than that, there is what you proverbially call the footage on the cutting room floor. Mm. Like we get that back, right? Because that's our process. And uh, we get the knowledge that's embedded in that footage and we get the knowledge that's embedded in my experience as the artist. Um, And so that's where I feel like artists are undervalued. Mm. Um, Our outcomes, the products of our work are the very tiniest part of our existence as artists. Our processes are, like, vast, you know, and... Of engagement, of... Thinking and reflection, engagement with others, Mm. participation in our Mm. surroundings, in our environment, in our community, our relationships. Um, So I think of, you know, I I talk about this sometimes in terms of um, there are three texts, you know, um, and I'm using text here in a kind of loose form. A film is a text or a picture is a text. So... Um, the, the kind of uh, artist text, the, the, the final text is the artwork itself, the painting, let's say. Um, then there's an audience text or a set of audience texts. Audience texts are responses to that painting. Or people's, you know, um, feelings, emotions, uh, questionnaires, like whatever it might be, reviews, right? It's basically people experiencing the, the artwork itself. And then the biggest thing of all are what, we, what I'd call the producer texts. The producer texts are all of our sketchbooks, our memos, our notes. Um, and, in, and in that body of text, there's a huge amount of knowledge that um, is really valuable. Because that's actually how we spend most of our time as artists, mm. producing producers' texts. Um, the stuff that no one ever sees, the stuff that never finds a home on a gallery wall or in a theater, um, but it's really, really valuable. That's where we do all our learning, and then at the end of the day, we hang our work up or we show it in the theater. And I can. I, we have an artist statement of a couple of paragraphs, and, and that's I, it, right? Now. Yeah. And, I've, and I've, every artist, every artist I've ever talked to is just like, oh, there's so much more I want to have said, or there's so much more I want to share. Um, and so for me, that's what I, that's what I'm really interested in drawing out and making valuable, um, and then showing not only artists, how valuable it can be, but then connecting them to these stakeholder organizations and agencies and institutions um, that are working in the real world, that are making decisions that affect all of us, uh, that probably don't have artists Hmm. and artists' knowledge being applied. They have a lot of quantitative data. They probably have a lot of qualitative data, right? But it's economic-type data and social science-type data. In this case, um, I use the word data a lot of artists like push back on. I use it as a way of translating for the sake of these institutions and these agencies who they don't know how to handle artists knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I talk to artists, I say, these are your ways of knowing, Um, narrative worth, uh, interpersonal dynamics, uh, you know, trust, uh, like these are type, let's call these data types. And then I go to the agency and I say, look, I've got a researcher, who studies worth or studies trust or studies causation. Um, And you need their knowledge, right? To do your job better, to do, to, you know, to fulfill your mission. And it's a way of getting an artist into an institution that isn't a residency and that doesn't rely on that final outcome. You know, we're not there to decorate your walls and we're not there to put on a show. We can do that too. But what excites me is what artists can do uh, in all of that process time.
0: Well, the sun is setting here, so it's, uh, it's getting a little dark, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> um, what you talked about just now is what I've heard over and over again at this particular gathering of, of cultural leaders about how to connect artists in authentic ways, right, to let artists do what they do but to get them into situations where they can have more impact and uh, make a difference on a complex issue like climate change, which people are troubling, are struggling to understand. But getting away from the cliche of, let's get an artist in here and design a poster and everything will be you know, better. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about real communication here, not the kind of uh, sort of superficial communication that might not lead to transformative change. Because... The, the, i 've noticed again and again that artists, when they are allowed to make to to be true to their process, like for instance if you 're a community engaged artist do your, do your community engagement you 'll make mistakes you 'll learn you 'll learn collectively if you 're a filmmaker, really go deeply into the subject, shoot material and then and then have the whole thing be the work of art the, the whole process because there 's no reason why the the end product is is the only interesting part, as you say. Mm-hmm. So specifically on climate change, have you seen um, artists make a difference or are you, are you looking towards a, a certain way for, for artists to play a, a larger role specifically around environmental issues?
1: I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I want to have to be truthful. Um, I don't know how this works yet mm-hmm. because... Um, a lot of this, a lot of my thinking has been a little reactive to the activist impulse. Um, you know, we talk about awareness. A lot of people think that just, that means making posters and that that's the artist's role mm-hmm. is that. But what that's doing is that's communicating, it's communicating, but it's communicating somebody else's agenda. You know, you're, you're picking a side and you're sloganeering and you're, um, and we need that. I'm not, I don't want to dismiss that. I just feel... Very deeply, that there is something more we can be doing. And I think it has to do, uh, it actually has to do with the metaphor of impact. Like we hear, I mean, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are talking about social impact all the time. And uh, if you think about what that metaphor implies, that something is moving very fast and it hits something big and slow and leaves a huge dent in it. Hmm. That's not my model of art. You know, that's not what I feel art's role is, is to leave big dents in us. Um, there's another metaphor, you know, there's a, a, a like a textile metaphor, you know, of, of culture where um, our actions just weave into uh, the weft that's already there and change the pattern and, and shift things, you know, alter things, but not in a profound impact way. Um, so we need activism because we do have things like elections, you know, and we do have structures that respond to that. Um, but we also live in a super divisive society that's being divided algorithmically right now. And I often fear that activism, uh, feeds into that. Hmm. And the art that I'm excited about, um, really actually brings people together in a way that doesn't satisfy like the kind of righteous spirit that a lot of people feel in an activist moment. I'm like, no, we're right and they're wrong. We have to beat them, you know? Um, But that's going to get us... That's going to ruin us all. And um, not to be, like, too pious about it, but um, art is something we should all be able to respond to and allow us to all, like, recognize our flaws and our faults um, and then grow through them, you know, and get better. Um, So I think it has... I think the art that I'm excited about has unifying potential, but is kind of slow acting as opposed to activism.
0: And your art as research, research as art project, do you plan to continue to do this kind of exploration and maybe some matchmaking? I'm not sure what's up next in terms of your activities.
1: So I... um, Yeah, so this project I started is called the Artists Literacies Institute. Um, It's a school for artists. It's not really an art school. I don't teach drawing and painting. Um, But I work with artists on an individual or small group level, working in any discipline, working at any career stage, um, to using dialogue, really just like discursive process, understand how that artist's practice could be considered research. Maybe what is the data that they traffic in? And that's what I call an artist's literacy, right? So my literacy as a filmmaker is in narrative. Um, Hmm. A literacy is something you can read and you can write. Um, And so our art training, you know, uh, gives us that literacy. It takes something that might have been intuitive to us and allows us to write it back into the world as well as read it um, with fluency. So I work with artists... um, with kind of no barrier for entry, you know, artists just join in, um, they can pay with croissants at the meeting, or, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, uh, you know, trade, um, trade services or favors or, or help each other in some way so that it's not a transactional relationship. And that's the school part. So I work with artists like this, um, take them through the artist literacies curriculum, and then they f- we figure out what their literacy is what their potential value is. And then I think strategically with them about the systems that they want to intervene in. Mm. Is it climate? Is it government? Is it gender equity? Is it race? Is it education? Whatever it might be. Um, And then I help connect them to the landscape of people who are working in that space. And then I kind of have to pitch to that landscape. Here's an art. Here's a researcher um, that's doing research in a way you've never seen before. And Here's some evidence of how powerful it can be and what that might provide you and how it might change your work. Um, And then, in that way, create opportunities for artists um, that might be a little bit different than a conventional residency, for example.
0: Well, it's a kind of uh, connector, curator, not producer, because you're not producing the work, but you're playing an intermediary role and you're also reframing the role of the artist you're not changing their practice so much as you're sort of changing the way that they could be perceived and uh, a context for collaboration um, in maybe new places or i mean it sounds exciting to me it sounds like fun it's fun yeah (laughs) And you do that out of your base in new york city right yeah yeah so i i 'd love to see that emulated around the world
1: <laughs> I, yeah let 's do it
0: well it 's a great idea and it 's already happening I, I see it happening and it 's not a new idea right yeah. there 's art and science and yeah. residencies but I think what you 're talking about is is being pragmatic about something that's that has a lot of rich potential but also many pitfalls right you can You can easily go off track and and so you're trying to frame it and to, to prepare the artist and prepare the, the, the host or the collaborator to, to have a successful collaboration, which, which, which you want, right? You don't want to fall into the cliches and the, oh, we didn't think of that, right? It sounds mm-hmm. you're using your life experience to, to move ahead uh, um, a way of working that will be impactful, socially impactful, artistically impactful. Um.
1: Yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, you're right, it's, it's not new. Um, in fact, I often think that this is um, a return to some ideas about human knowledge, you know, like a really holistic idea about human knowledge. Working with scientists is always interesting because, um, I mean, scientists get excited about this kind of stuff because they just want to know, you know, and they're just curious. And artists just want to know and are just curious. And there's all this common ground, but 300 years of separation like specialized separation in science education and then i think really flawed separation in art education yeah and romantic ideas about you know um solitary geniuses and Solid, suffering artists suffering artists and struggling artists and the tropes that we teach art students yeah. um yeah, that are really destructive to yeah. you know their capacity to live um so it's really just kind of restoring something for me that yeah, I mean, all human knowledge is um, is rooted in something similar. And the scientific method and the artistic method are not at all different from each other, but they just rely on different ways of knowing. Yeah.
0: Well, listening is a way of knowing, and we've had more or less a sound walk that we've mostly been chatting our way through, but um, the sun has set, and and there have been constant um, planes uh, flowing over, and I've always enjoyed the sound of of planes flying over because there's kind of a rich resonance. But um, it's it's nighttime, and I think it's time to go for dinner. So thank you, Andrew, for our conversation. Absolutely. Thank (laughs) you so much. Yeah, we
1: couldn't have done this in New York. This was nice.